0: You just keep trying. And like the sad part is like, they give you what, like five, 10 minutes to basically prove yourself to them. And that's, I think where you just got to be like, I'm going to be my complete self. And I got to have the mindset that I deserve to be here no matter what. And that I'm going kick to kick butt, excuse me, kick butt in this field. And so please like, give me, you know, put your chips in my basket. Cause I'm going to give it back. But it's just hard because I don't think just like med school, like no one's going to tell you exactly how to get in because then everyone would get in.
1: Melissa and Haley of Pediatric Speech Pals, thank you for joining me on the podcast.
0: Hey, thank of you course. for having us.
1: Yeah. So at first, I just wanted to say uh, how impressed I am with your guys' YouTube page because I was searching around for possible guests and when I came across your page it's it's super informative I love the thumbnails like very professional very very aesthetic <laughs> like seriously like you two, like go. I feel like when you see a good thumbnail and the the kind of design of the thumbnail is consistent across a page with like different variations it, it looks very aesthetically pleasing so when oh, I first, when I first Thank clicked you. on the page I was like oh wow like this is a good page to look at <laughs>
0: Oh, Thank shout you. out to David, our we producer. Try. Yeah, we try, we yeah, try. Yeah, shout
1: out, shout out to David.
0: <laughs> yeah, we love you, David. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, if you look so, back at our
0: first
2: ones, they're not right. Re-
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess that's that's with, that, with everything. The first one is always the worst and then it just gets better from there.
0: Yeah, you learn. you, and you learn.
1: Yeah. So before you started Pediatric Speech Pals, what drew you both to speech language pathology?
0: Yeah, Melissa, you go first on this one.
2: (laughs) Okay, so my mom was a speech pathologist and also my (laughs) um, aunt was a speech pathologist. So I kind of like grew up in the field and like from day one knew I wanted to do speech. So I was really lucky in that sense because you have to do grad school, you know? And so like I knew going into undergrad, I had to do grad school. So I knew that like, you know, you need the grades, you need this, you need that. So I feel like that was a really lucky like, Path for me because I knew that that was what was going in, but I know it's so different for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people have to do the post back, and a lot of people just don't know what they want to do. So, yeah, I feel grateful that I knew what I wanted to do going in. But, um, but yeah, it was my parent or my mom and my um aunt who led me there. Yeah, that's
0: so lucky <laughs> that you have yeah. that as your role model. <laughs> Mine was a little different.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. How, how did you get into uh SLP?
0: Um, I actually wanted to be a pediatrician, and my pediatrician said, don't ever be a pediatrician.
1: There you <laughs> Not go. That there's wow. anything
0: wrong. Wow. Not that there's anything wrong with being a pediatrician, but he was like, either you have to love this so much and that there, there's just like a lot of negative sides to being a pediatrician, a lot of sick kids, which is your job, and I'm like too much of an empath to <laughs> take on that job. And so he was like, oh, check out speech. And then I shouted a few people. And like, well, I shouted to some adults and I was like, this is not for me. I'm like, these parents, like they were like a hundred years old, like stroke patients. Like they're trying to just get them to swallow some (laughs) applesauce. I'm like, this is miserable. Not that other people could do it for sure. And then I went to a pediatric clinic and she just was playing games all day. And I was like, this is your job? She goes, yeah, Yeah. pretty much. (laughs) And then by some, like the... So lucky of me. I went back to school after they told me like it's a specific program. My uh, undergrad had the program, and so I just slid right into it. So I got lucky too.
1: Yeah, well, good for the the pediatrician for being honest about how much he liked the career. Because I, I feel like yeah. I don't, <laughs> I, I've also I've, I've also had a few moments like that too when I was uh, like later in high school and going through college where someone's telling me about their career and I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. This sounds great. And at the end of the conversation, they're like, "Never do this." Yeah. Like, never. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm just like, "That's it. That's yes. like the exact opposite of what you just said." And they're like, "Yeah, me. I
2: like, really love it, but
0: yeah, I, it yeah, I love it, but like,
1: <laughs> no one should ever get into the thing that I'm doing." Yeah. Um,
0: yes, <laughs> yes.
1: But um, uh, but yeah, no, that's that's good. So like, you, it sounds like you wanted to do something in healthcare just based on being drawn towards being a pediatrician and then like also some of the interest in adults and then finally making your way to kids. So like both of you guys knew that you at least wanted to do something in healthcare somewhat earlier on.
0: For sure. Yeah. Always healthcare, particularly with children, which Mm -hmm. is, there's only so many avenues for that.
2: Well, I actually thought I wanted to do the adults at first Mm. for like a long time. And then my mom was like, just wait, Melissa, just wait until you see the kids. Cause I'm a kid's person. But I was like, you know, oh, but the adults are so interesting, and blah, 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 and, like, going on like that, and my mom was like, just wait, Melissa, just wait until you get a child rotation, and then I did, and I was like, game over, <laughs> like, yeah. I love it, so, uh yeah, that's how we went peds, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, for people who may be deciding whether they want to work with kids versus adults, if they're a speech pathologist, or maybe it's just another career in general where you have that option something else in healthcare what are some of your favorite things working with kids like looking back on it now make you grateful for the decision to go that direction
0: a lot of things
2: (laughs) I had an internship also any job shadows any uh like being an SLPA like Haley being just in the in the pediatric field or like the adult field or like wherever you want to be in just like putting yourself in there like I got my internship by just cold emailing luck of the draw I don't think it's like common but luck of the draw so I think that like it happened so I always like tell people like hey just send the email you never know so like I think that any experience in that little field is or like in that little spot is good because you can see like okay, this is like what the day-to-day life would be like. This is like what the population is like because some people can say they like kids, but then, you know, when you go in front of them and you're working with the parents and the kids and the toys and the other kids and it it can become a lot. And so I think that, you know, putting yourself in it is like the best way to start. Would you
0: agree, Haley? Oh, for sure. I would just dive into it. And honestly, kids are the best. Like, I think, like... I think you mentioned, like, what are some of the reasons why we stay in kids? Don't get me wrong, there are definitely bad days for sure. I have kids are tough and at the same time. Kids. And bad kids, <laughs> I would, yeah, they're difficult. I would say they're difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's part of the job. But what makes me stay is like those small moments of like victories, you know, where it's like you and that kid somehow like are on the same like wavelength for like a small second and then you guys like either like are super excited together like you both like whatever we build a lego tower and we're both like working hard and we did it and it's like this small like connection or you know you just see like i think the best is like you hear you know we work in early intervention and a lot of the small ones so a lot of our kids are crying and sad and it's just another form of communication, but like a lot of frustration. And as soon as like you see that, like you gave them like another outlet or, you know, of how they can communicate to relieve that frustration, like it's just like so rewarding. I don't know. it just and I don't know. It's Every day is a reward, but and they say the funniest things.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they do. I, I've uh, my younger cousin's. They're, they're a little bit older now, but even from the time they were like five or six years old, like some kids are so unintentionally funny and you can oh, just like even yeah. go and it just provides entertainment yes. for the entire evening. Like, Oh
0: you yeah. You can't
1: wait. <laughs> like the adult conversation is so boring and you're just like, yeah. I just want to like listen yeah. to these kids, like try to solve problems.
0: Yes. that's uh, entertaining. They have absolutely uh, no, no filter. No filter. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've been told I have so many boo boos on my face. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. M- Melissa, you mentioned the the cold emails, and I think I think that's a really good point. No matter what business you're in, just having the confidence to email people out of nowhere that you've you know maybe had limited to no contact with because it's such a low effort thing. Like it might take you five minutes to write an email. And the worst thing that happens is someone says no, or or doesn't get back to you. And you could blast out hundreds of those a week. Mm -hmm. So I I just wanted to to hit on that for whoever's listening to this, no matter what field, like if you're doubting whether to send an email or not, just send it because it could literally change your career. And it takes, you know, maybe five minutes.
2: And I think you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help, you know, like, Like a lot of people either they'll be like, Yeah, you know, I can't do an internship but I can set up a ten minute call to talk to you or you know, I can't do an internship but, you know, I can do this and mine didn't turn mine wasn't an internship like like it was it ended up being a paid internship, but when I was doing it it was like a one day volunteer thing. And then she was like, Actually, you know what, I can give you an internship. Actually, you know what, I can pay you And I was like, Okay, (laughs) It just kind of like got more and more as we were emailing. So like, I feel like I'm a huge proponent for like, just do it. Just try it. Like you never know. And so like, even now, like, as you know, an SLP running a business, I would have been like, yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, like, come on. I mean, there are limitations, obviously, but like, I think that, you know, you got to
0: pay it forward. And they might know somebody Mm -hmm. else too. Like, like, I can't help you, but I know Melissa can help you, you know, which is great too.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. What's the what's the story behind starting Pediatric Speech Pals as a content platform? Because it's one thing to be an SLP; it's a completely different thing to try to translate that into a podcast, into communication materials. Like it, it's a a very involved process, um, and and I didn't realize all the things that are involved with podcasting until I actually jumped into it. So, like, what what was the process behind you guys starting pediatric speech pals
0: <laughs> you know i think about this a lot i think when me us, <laughs> i think met for coffee once and we were like we need to do something we need to tell people you know more or like we have both very unique backgrounds and like we do the same thing but we're a different route and then she was like well david kind of knows how to do podcasting stuff so like what if we did podcasting and i'm like I'm, I'm down i'm like let's see what happens and then i don't even know i don't even remember how we got to the first episode <laughs> do you
2: i feel like what happened i feel like what happened was like like Haley would come over because we were friends from uh the first uh, practice, yeah. clinic and yeah like where i was we like she would come over and we'd hang out it was like bachelor nights and we were like you know talking about our sessions talking about our stuff and we could do that because we were we were <laughs> <the same place, laughs> so. um, but like And so, like, we were talking about, like, SLP, being an SLP, and then I moved, and then we were still, like, man, like, I miss, like, talking like that. And so, we just, like, every time we got together, we were still talking about it, and we were like, hey, what if we started, like, something for it? Because there, I feel like, yeah, because, like, I feel like there were, there was kind of, like, and not that I was, like, thinking about this when we started it, but I just kind of feel like there was a gap there, you know, like where I'm like, man, I wish I had mm-hmm, known this for sure. <laughs> like going totally. in, like, I wish that I could have looked up this or I wish I could have like, like seen that or heard that or had that little like friend that I could have turned yes. to. Um, and so I don't know. I think that's yeah. kind of how I just, and she was like about. helping me
0: so much with like trying to get into grad school and giving me advice. And I was like, God, there, there's gotta be more people that you know, don't just get into grad, like they have troubles getting into grad school or like taking these routes. So essentially what Melissa said, like just sharing what (laughs) the same things that we talk about together with other people. And we were fortunate to have, you know, David, obviously I don't, I don't know if it would have
2: come together if we didn't have that aspect. So I think that was lucky.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of grad school, there's a a decent Percentage of the the podcasts that are people that are in grad school right now for speech, or they're thinking about it. What was the the journey like for you guys applying to grad school, getting in, interviewing? C- could you give a brief overview of what that process was like, just to give people a taste of what they may expect?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to go first, Haley? Or do um, you to- I'll go really quick, but um. Uh, Mine is much different than, I think what makes us great together is because we have both very different routes of how we, I'm actually still in grad school. I'm currently in it right now. And my process is quite difficult. I had a really hard time getting into grad school and I tried for, I don't know, Melissa, do you know, like four years, three years, something like that to get in and like got got waitlisted every year. And Went through interviews, but I basically, I don't know, I did like cold calling to call and be like, what did I do wrong in my application? What will help me better with my essays? You know, and there's like so many routes. So I basically, I think to answer your question, is like, I just kept trying and didn't give up and was like, what's going to make me unique and how can I make the best essay? And I would show up to universities and be like, hey, I applied, you didn't accept me. Why didn't you accept me? And then They only can give away so much because, you know, what they tell me, that's their cream of the crop, you know, that's how they accept people and it's their special recipe and they're not going to give that away. And they would give me small tidbits here and there of like how to beef up my essay or – but basically everyone said don't stop trying.
1: That's great. Good for you. I I would have never had the guts to – roll up to the universe like go to the dean and be like tell me why like give me give me a reason That's our friend <laughs> hey,
0: <there. laughs> yeah. just- piss me off enough I'll get there yeah
1: so good good for you so you so it took about three or four years to to get in then you eventually got accepted obviously to a school and, and so that ended up paying off um just like the perseverance of (laughs) calling and and applying and things like that and i'm sure like adding stuff to your resume along the way for
0: sure i think it all helps you know as my dad says every day he has a giant photo in my bedroom at their house um what do you do different (laughs) so that's been our model for forever and i guess you could use that for literally anything getting a job you know meeting friends or anything what do you do different is what he
1: tells me all the time yeah I like that. What about you, Melissa?
0: Yeah, my experience
2: was a little different. I think, again, because I knew going in what I wanted to do. So I think I was in the mindset of, oh, got to get into grad school. Oh, got to get into, you know, like, the next step got to do this. So I was just like, focused on school, like, and not that Haley wasn't, but I don't know, like, you know, I didn't know her in undergrad. (laughs) But like, you know, I just like, it was my life, you know, like school was my life. So I, you know, I did pretty well. And I, you know, was fortunate to get into a couple schools and was able to pick the one that was my top. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, I, I was extremely grateful. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think that, you know, especially now looking back, like, at the time, you know, I was like, Oh, yeah, that was just the next step, you know, like, and at the, like, you understand also, because you show up for these interviews, and there's like, hundreds of people, and they pick like 30 or something or 28 or something. So like, you, you understand the grasp of like, cause that was like already a level, you know, like there's thousands of people who apply and then a hundred people, hundreds of people get the interview and then like 30 are chosen, 28 are chosen or whatever. And so like you understand the grasp, but then when you like see it, you're like, okay, whoa, you know, like this is a lot of people. And then like, like I said, like at the time I was just like, oh yeah, you know, whatever it was the next step. But like, you know, looking back a little bit too, I'm like, man, I was super grateful for the ability to like go straight through and like, the fact that like it, I didn't have to go to those schools and like, you know, do that. So yeah, as much as I can offer, I think Haley has a lot of really good insight. And like, I appreciate that aspect of the podcast so much, because I think that she has a lot of really good information and like, insight on that a bit like skill that she has, because like, you know, I don't know what I would have done, you know, like, I think, you know, we keep telling people keep trying, keep trying, keep trying do it. And I think that that's true. I think if you want to be an SLP, which I did, I probably would have kept doing it. But yeah, like Haley's got that nasty. <laughs> she's sweet. She's good.
0: She's has yeah. she's oh, Thank you, so. Melissa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I I didn't realize how competitive grad school is for speech until I started working in the industry, and I was like hearing stories from therapists and stuff like that, where you know they're trying for years and years, and it's it like I hear people talk about medical school in similar ways where I'm like holy crap like this is crazy to get in like you show up there's hundreds of people for interviews you're going through this whole process you don't just get accepted like you have to you have to go through like talking to multiple tiers of people so good for you guys for finding your own way in that's an accomplishment in itself
0: yeah I think you just
1: yeah you you just keep
0: trying and like the sad part is like, they give you what, like five, 10 minutes to basically prove yourself to them. And that's, I think where you just got to be like, I'm going to be my complete self. And I got to have the mindset that I deserve to be here no matter what. And that I'm going to kick at, kick butt, excuse me, kick butt in this field. And so please like, <laughs> give me, you know, put your chips in my basket. Cause I'm going to give it back, but it's just hard because I don't think Just like med school, like no one's gonna tell you exactly how to get in because then everyone would get in, right? So I think it's one of those things where you just have to keep trying and then try different routes. If that didn't work, try a different way. And then thankfully, like me and Melissa I think both have two different sides of the Of the coin to like share on this so and we're both she's in the field and an SLP so she can kind of share like hey this would probably look good for this and things like that so that's important as well
1: yeah so uh, Melissa you're an SLP and Haley you're an SLPA uh, speech language pathologist and a speech language pathologist assistant could you guys talk about some of the major differences between those paths and and kind of what drew you in those directions
0: yeah for sure Sure.
2: Yeah, I guess, I guess like, when you look at it, like, intervention wise, there's not too much of a difference. Like Haley treats patients, there is there are some like, restrictions, like, hey, you can't treat a patient who has, you know, epilepsy, certain diagnoses no. or things like certain things like that. But overall, like she just can't evaluate. Uh, so she can't do like the assessments, she can't write the reports. Um, so diagnose. that's, I guess the main yeah, I can't diagnose. That's the main difference between an SLP and an SLPA. And especially because she was in a clinic, I think it, you had a lot more wiggle room there too. Yeah, it's but, all um, like in the
0: contingency. So like as a SLPA, you have a super as SLP supervisor. So basically they sign off on everything that you do. So every note that you do, everything is in the contingency that like, so like all the diagnose some of the diagnoses that Melissa, you know, had mentioned or it's all the like of uh, I can treat as long as I am like with an SLP. So, like, depending on where it is, like, thankfully, like in where we like the small clinics and the practices, like, we're all together all the time. I think it's really shows differences in like maybe a hospital setting where or a school setting where the SLP isn't with you all the time. So, that's pretty much what the difference is.
2: Yeah. And being an SLPA is a great route for like, say you want more, like there's a lot of people who don't want to go straight to grad school after like they want the gap year. So it's not even like a denial thing. It's like, it's also you're going because you choose that route. Like you want experience. You think it'll help you in general. You just you, you're done with school, <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, there were, you know, there were people from my undergrad who did it and went straight there too. just like, like I said, for that gap and just to make some money. And so I don't think it's not like a route to look at, no. you know, look at and be like, oh, gosh, I have to be an SLPA, no. you know, because like a lot of people choose it.
0: Yeah. Um, and we I love, love <laughs> I love it, and yeah. I think it's only you given me a leg up in grad school, like for sure. Yeah.
1: So as an SLPA, that could be a good opportunity to get a taste of what the field is like for before sure. going, taking the plunge into grad 100%. school. One
0: hundred percent. That's what Probably. I would recommend if you're iffy and not sure. Like I was kind of iffy. I was like, mm. I'm like, this is this good? I don't know. And I did it. And you get to experience the field for it, like its entire, like it, the entire spectrum of it. So, like, you're not just because you're a slipper, you don't miss out on anything. Like, you get to see everything that you'd want. So, you'd really get the full experience of what it would be like to be an SLP. And that really, it'd be really, it helps, especially because grad school is expensive. <laughs> so, like, for like, I don't know if I'm willing to yeah. pay all this money. That's for sure. Then try this
2: that's the thing about uh, grad school too, is that's when you get the hands-on
0: experience. So like all
2: undergrad is like theoretical. So like so many people go to grad school, spend all this money and time. And then they're like, I don't even like it. Like, so they do all of this and then they kind of regret it. So that's also another reason why we really recommend job shadowing, getting yourself in the field. SLP is a great way or SLPA way (laughs) (laughs) is a great way to get that you know sort of experience because you just don't know if it's the field for you until like everything's passed and now you're in it because even when you're in grad school you're I mean obviously you're not the SLP yet you know like you're you're learning little bits and pieces but you're like oh you know I might like it more if I do this or I might like it more if it's me running the sessions exactly you know and and sometimes you don't and so unfortunately there are people who go through all of it and are still like you know I don't like it like what's the next route for me and maybe this was already their second route because in grad school you get so many people from different you know areas of fields before and um yeah it can just be kind of I mean, a huge bummer if that's what happens. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I can, sp- I can speak to the importance of shadowing because I didn't do it enough in undergrad. I was majoring in accounting and was also playing baseball. So like my summers were spent off in a league playing instead of doing internships. And I'm doing accounting this whole time. And then I finally graduated. Like I'm studying for the the CPA, which is the accounting exam, and then also got a job in the, the accounting field. And I just realized how much I hated it. And if I had an experience before that, where like, this is what it's gonna be like to work as an accountant, you know, maybe junior summer, sophomore summer, like instead of doing baseball, which I loved, but like just even for like a month, maybe did like an internship over winter break, I would have maybe switched majors or just like, you know, something done, done something else completely so so I yeah. definitely think it's important to get a taste of what you think you might be interested for in sure. because you never actually know until you're doing it uh,
2: yes yes yeah and like in school what do you, you take those like you know online <laughs> like oh what what's going to be the best for you and you type it all in in like elementary school or whatever and then I mean, I used to always rig them to get worked oh <laughs> out for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, Wait, mm, you, kids, yes. yeah,
0: pick me <laughs> mm, in school shirt." <laughs> <sure." laughs>
1: Wait, you said yeah. you you said you rigged them to get SLP? <laughs>
0: oh yeah, oh yeah, i right, well, already go. been ahead of the game.
2: Like in my head, I was like. Which is like cheating, you know, like that's not what you're supposed to do. What your little yes. heart tells you to answer. And then yeah. that's where it's supposed to leave you. But my heart was like, no, this is what you're doing. <laughs> like, wait, yeah, no, but. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that,
1: that should be yeah. the real entrance exam to grad school. Like the, what your buzz yeah. uh, job selection is yes. the, and you're like, I got SLP. Yeah. Like, so like, here yeah.
0: we go. Sounds great. See what I got? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Haley, you said you work in a clinic most of the mm-hmm. time. Yes. And Melissa, you're more of a, a home setting or your clinic too?
2: Uh, in home. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: w- what are some of the the biggest challenges or uh, just like kind of the day-to-day and what both of you guys do so people can get a little bit of an idea of clinic versus the the home setting?
0: Yes. So I work in a multidisciplinary clinic, meaning like there's OTs, occupational therapists and physical therapists, as well as speech therapists. The difference is, I guess, the biggest is that they go into like a brick and mortar place and then everything's there. So like whatever is needed, all the toys are there, all the facilities there, any of the Feeding things are there, everything's there, so they come there and then usually the kids receive most of the services there, so they'll get they'll get speech, occupational therapy, and PT as well. So I work like hand in hand with all the therapists. We co treat a lot. So like I would treat at the same time as an occupational therapist and we'll work together to like work with the child. So I think that's a big difference. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest I would say. Do you have a challenge? Maybe. (laughs) okay <laughs>
1: maybe it's maybe it's just yeah ahead maybe of you you. i guess uh, yeah. maybe sometimes i don't yeah. get
0: a break from other therapists yeah. <laughs> we just are together all the time
1: <laughs> There you
0: go. so my clinic it's yeah oh, in sir? particular is like a shared space clinic so the clinic that where me and melissa met everyone had kind of their own rooms and we would like treat in our own rooms and then we had a mm-hmm. gym where you could like go into the gym this particular clinic that i'm in everything is like together we don't share like everything is shared Mm -hmm. so there's kids everywhere
1: yeah I could I could see how that uh that can become a little bit of a nuisance or a little bit of a challenge like having to share spaces with people like just having a roommate can be a challenge so if you're sharing a workspace with people like eight hours a day like
0: it's all the time it's um, all the time
1: if one kid's screaming
0: it's screaming for everybody (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah for me
2: I think the biggest challenge is scheduling like it's it's always been the hardest part of the in-home part uh for me and you know I do my own schedule I always have even when I it wasn't you know my own business but it was like every parent has a certain time that you can see them and when I was in San Diego it was like you're driving 30 minutes to one client and then 35 minutes to the next client and it was just a lot of driving and then sometimes you show up and people would no show you and um, for certain companies you don't get paid for those. And so you're like, okay, like that hurts, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so like things like that can be kind of hard. Also like the way that, so I came from the way that Haley was, where it was like the PTs, the OTs, the ABA therapists all together and speech therapists and everything. And like, it was so collaborative and I loved that. And so like going from that to like in home where now it's just me, like I'm constantly like trying to reach out. Cause I love the collaborative. I think it's the best way to treat I think that you know like that's how you help clients the most and if they need you know all those other extras but or other you know uh, professionals but if they if they do have that then I usually just encourage the parents like hey if you want me to talk to your ABA therapist like you know so we can you know they see them so often like I can give them some communication strategies because a lot of times they don't really know the full communication strategies like they don't really know fully what they're doing there and so like you'll go in and they'll. Have some skills that are just like a little too high for the kid, or they're just not like they're not where they should be, whatever. So you're just like, can I help? Like, let's do this. So I'm really trying to incorporate myself and be like, if you want this, like you know, obviously parents have to sign it off on it, but incorporating myself with the other professionals are is another challenge. It's just like sometimes parents don't follow through, or well, they'll they'll decide to believe one therapist over the other, things like that, where you're just kind of like, eh. like that's just a bummer because you know there could be more you know, like progress here if we all worked together. So things like that.
1: Yeah. And, and just speaking to some therapists at all about kids, I know that travel can be a huge nuisance. Like I've heard stories of, you know, therapists driving hour, hour and a half in Long Island, and then they get ghosted. No one's there. The parent cancels like when they're in their car outside. And obviously everything changed once the pandemic hit. So every practice was scrambling to get teletherapy to get that online as soon as possible. So it was a big shift and a lot of stress in the short term. But I know from speaking to those same therapists that not having those travel issues with the teletherapy was a huge headache. Like there were headaches that came along with doing teletherapy, <laughs> yeah. but just being able to like do it, uh, as I'm sure you guys, you guys can speak to, but like just n- yeah. ha- not having the travel of like having to drive an hour, 30 minutes, and then do that every single day was also a big benefit. Yeah. To teletherapy mad yeah. The mad props to
0: Melissa for the travel. Yeah, totally. I did it once in ABA and I cannot stand it. And I've never heard Melissa complain about it once. So she's yeah. doing something right. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean,
2: I don't mind the traveling because like, then I can call my mom, <laughs> I can listen to music, I like, you know, so like, I don't, I don't, or podcasts. I mean, that's how I listen to some of your podcasts and stuff. So, like, you know, some of them are like. It, sometimes it's not the issue is the travel. Although I'm not gonna lie, the 35 minutes like constantly to a client when you're when you have like you know however many days g- gets long. But um, but I mean overall, like it's when they don't show up and then you're and then that's when it becomes like oh come on come
0: on people.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs>
0: Profession, profession, yeah, relationship
1: no. or professional, you know. We're canceling do ghost
0: ghost culture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There we go. New,
1: 2023 you, you heard it here first. Cancel ghost
0: culture.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I also did some deep diving on for like SLP forums, Facebook, Reddit to see what other people were saying were some of the biggest challenges. So I wanted to list the three that I was seeing the most off and see if you guys resonate with that i think one of them we already mentioned but the big three seem to be uh one was unrealistic caseload expectations two is mountains of paperwork and three was parents not supporting slps outside of the sessions oh, so following like not through really
0: home programs taking too. The, the insights mm-hmm.
1: and stuff like that do you guys resonate with that at all like ha- have you experienced those challenges and and like have those been the biggest three to you guys. Have you had other challenges that have been more prevalent? Like how how do you how would you respond to to those sorts of comments about SLP challenges?
2: I think that the um you know the caseload and the paperwork, uh like a lot of that is school setting. And the parent I would say the parent. Um, I mean don't get me wrong the parent
0: carryovers too. The
2: parents everywhere. Yeah, the parent is everywhere, I think. But I do think, like, the caseload and the paperwork, like, schools, school SLPs are pushed to the rim, and they have so many, and it's, you know, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here. And so, like, that's an absolute, grind. like, grind for them. Like, I, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's hard. Um, Outside in the clinics, I think you have a little bit more. I mean, Healy can speak a little bit more on that. But, like, as far as, like, me, like, I feel like I, because I do you know, pick my schedule, I have a lot of flexibility there, which is cool. I pick the hours I want to work usually unless a parent like says, Hey, I got to do this hour, but I pick the hours usually I want to work the amount of clients I usually want to work. I think private practice has a lot of flexibility there. But I mean, as far as like getting the parents to do it, I feel like it's also a little bit easier because you're talking to the parents, whereas at schools, like you never unless see it's them. like an IEP or the parent comes in, you never, yeah, you really never see mm. them. But yeah so you can be like hey like if you're not gonna if this is too like high level like you're not gonna be able to do this like at home like let me know like that's part of my work to like try and make this so you can do this you know because like that's what you want is for it to be generalized and for them to be able to do it at home and so mm-hmm. yeah that's I mean it, that's my take on,
0: <laughs> on that. I think I think, think, yes, I think in terms of caseload, like managing it, like I think as Melissa said, there's like the overflow where it's like the schools where it's just constantly kids after kid after kid. And you kind of, I felt like when I've done my school placement and then when I have friends who work in the schools, I feel like the rapport with the children's much different. It's just not the same. Like as when I see my kids, I see them the same time every week. In terms of caseload at private practice, I think the biggest problem is like filling a schedule, I think that that can be difficult sometimes like kind of in like in terms of like pay, I guess. Um, so like you don't get paid. So like most clinics are uh private practice. You get paid hourly and then you don't get paid. You get paid like a either don't get paid for like a cancellation. And then if the kid or something depends on the clinic, you get like paid partially if they don't show up. And there's like so many cancellations all the time. in it. This is just, I think, common, especially in the last few years with like all COVID and the sicknesses and then RSV came and it's just like one thing after another. So I think that can be really difficult too. I think that, that that's that's definitely a con in the private practice is like, it's like schools. Like you go to school, you're going because you get the schedule, you get the pension, you get like – you're basically set salary. Private practice is usually like – hourly so you depending on how many kids get showed up so that can be like in terms of like your comment about the caseload that's i think what in the private practice world that's pretty much what i hear complained about all the time like oh only two my kids showed up today and you know that means you're only getting paid for two hours of work (laughs) it's like that sucks and then parent carry it's a a raw deal yeah definitely will change your paycheck a lot (laughs) so um i think that's probably
1: for the um for the parents not being supportive outside of a session. Have you had a specific situation that comes to mind where maybe you were dealing with a difficult parent, and you were able to communicate to them somehow a way to handle things outside of the session so that the kid was making better progress? Oh, for sure.
2: I think honestly, it just comes down to like, parents want to help, you know, it's like if you communicate how to do these strategies, like a lot, like a lot of times we walk in there and we're like, okay, here's what we can do. Here's what you should do. Here's what I'm doing. Why is this blah, 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 blah. And so like, it can be overwhelming. And so if you come in there and you're like, listen, like, I realize I just gave you a whole bunch of strategies, like, like, let's, you know, take this down and think like real life level, like, how can we implement these and like teaching them how to do these strategies rather than just like giving it saying, Oh, this is what you do. Okay, bye. Like, if you're like, really helping them, like, is this manageable? Is 10 minutes manageable? Is five minutes manageable? And like, even though best practice is like here, it's like, we're trying to do these little steps and not like assuming zero to 60, this, this parent, we're just going to come in here and assume oh, parents going to do everything we say now, because that's just not realistic. And they won't. So like, you just kind of have to work with them as like, oh, you know, like, oh, this is great. Look what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Do that. Well, you know, that's cool. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Like, and like, just kind of like, show them that they're doing the right things. Cause a lot of times, again, we're coming in here and you're like, Oh, your child is not speaking like you must've been doing the wrong thing. And like, that's what I feel like so many parents are like, their mindset is like, I did something wrong. I did this. Like I caused this. And it's just like taking that out and being like, no, you didn't like this happens. This is why I have a job. So, you know, this is keeps my job alive is because there's so many people in the similar situations. And like, I think that really helps with carryover and like making sure that parents do it because like you're on a better relationship with them and they're like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And it's just giving them the strength and like the idea that they can.
1: Yeah. Do you have a list of resources that you may send parents just to help them with stuff outside of sessions or or that may even be helpful to SLPs like any uh, any of the top resources that come to mind? Of course, you have pediatric speech. Bells
0: yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. then, yeah. Right. Uh, Please use us.
1: <laughs> shout out to, uh, shout out to PSP. that. Um, um, and then, uh, if there's anything else that you'll uh, you'll send out, you know, like text a parent, like check this out. Like, this has been super mm-hmm. helpful.
0: Yeah. We use yeah. like a lot of therapists. Yeah. So, uh, we use Laura Mize. All of her handouts are great for the early intervention kids. We also use um, I Love Carrie Ebert. These are just SLPs that are just like the the best like the gods of the slp world and they have great handouts for like simple easy to read ones there's this one too do you have it too melissa we someone i got it from rainbow from our last clinic and but it's like these like strategies of like activities that you could do like it's like oh do you play with cars oh yeah like the 20 is that what it's called no i think i don't know who makes it but either or you you could easily google it but it's like oh do you like cars
1: yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: oh yeah you give it to the car, like you play cars, here's like some strategies you can use while playing with cars. And they give like quick bullet points of like, here, you do this every day. Yeah,
2: I think it's important though to note, like if somebody were to give, there are parents who you can send handouts to and they'll read them and they'll do them. And there are parents who are like, okay, thanks. And they just toss them and it's just kind of like a waste paper, you know? So like you just, you really have to like read the room and like understand who you're working with because- if I give people a piece of paper and I'm like, okay, work on these, like blah, 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 like even though I've explained them and like given them, it still doesn't, you know, mean that that's going to follow through. So like sometimes less is a lot more.
0: I front load a lot. Like I front load my parents a lot. Like, so maybe most of them may say, is this mean? But I'm like, hey, it's 70% the parent, 30% the child. So like if you're going to not put in the work, then there's only 30%. And there's an analogy that I give all the time that's like i see a kid 20 minutes a week right and let's say that he's going to he's nonverbal and he's has to use how to use like a aac like an alternative communication device if i if this child is only going to use his aac 20 minutes a day it's going to take him over 300 years to be able to use it fluently it's the same for anything that we do and I mean, I'm just brutally honest. Yeah, I'm a like, big number now. You gotta give like, them. Don't put <laughs> it yeah. all on me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Let's work together. <laughs> yeah. And some parents are like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I-, I wanted to to ask you guys kind of like a big picture question. So with all of the advancements in technology, like things like VR also artificial intelligence i don't know if you guys have used chat gbt yet yes do you know you guys know Mm -hmm. that very interesting also can be kind of weird depending on uh what you ask it but i I wanted to ask you guys like big picture with vr ai things like that do you see the field of speech pathology going in any interesting directions incorporating some of those tools within the next you know five ten years being able to do like virtual reality sessions or having like some sort of AI assisted therapy, things like that. Could you see that becoming part of the speech pathology field or, or sessions?
0: Maybe. I mean, Melissa, chat GBT is like this AI system. Like it's like you basically like if my mom was showing me, it's her. They like help front load it um, when it came out. But like if I wanted to write like an essay at, for school and be like, write me an essay about speech, it'll generate an entire essay like uh, about speech and like but it won't be plagiarized like it'll be your own words or like write me a cover letter and it'll like fully write you a cover letter that's basically what chat okay. is and they're like saying it's going to be the new google but anyways that's another story yeah basically <laughs> it's like
1: the first major competitor to google mm-hmm. since google has come out so now they're trying to like develop their own thing but it could have yes uh consequences for many different types of fields and could be beneficial so i was just curious if you guys had any thoughts on that
0: truthfully i don't know if like that stuff will actually affect the terms of therapy because like i think it'll i really think where it will affect will be schools In the grad schools, like I'm literally I'm sitting there. My mom's like, oh, you got to write your thesis. Like, here you go. Like, she just literally types in like tongue ties or like what, you know, the medical term for it. And then it's like fully writes me an entire essay with everything that I've been spending months researching. And I'm like, seriously? And so I think that's where it will really impact the speech world. I don't know like it, but well, I don't
2: even know if that would work, though, because then you're not writing it, you know, it's not plagiarized, though.
0: like it says it's your own words. I know
2: I know but I I don't but then you're but you didn't do you know you could like not do any of the research and just be like
0: get to dad turn it yeah, you know like, it will affect yeah. like the so, therapist and therapy will be bad. But
2: exactly I mean exactly. Yeah. I think our job is so reliant on human connection and like being there and like seeing like oh you know hearing if a child is saying an R wrong, you know cuz like so many people get used to it or like I think that maybe like it could work as far as like strategies. Like you put, maybe you put it on it, like, you know, has your strategies or, you know, things like that. And then so it's like helping for homework. But as far as like for the weekly sessions or, you know, bi weekly, however often you do them, I think that a person in person, hopefully, I mean, even over the screen, like, you know, we've tried the whole teletherapy thing and it works in some cases, but in some cases it doesn't. Like it really is reliant Not on, on who child, you're working yeah. with and like, yeah, yeah, and how, um, you know, if parents are willing to put in the effort to do that. And
0: yeah, well, so
2: I think, I think that, yes. like, it can in some aspects but i think it can't overall
0: i think we're also biased to like we're only in pediatrics so like i was just thinking while she's talking like maybe in adults like and they're trying to have like do activities of daily living like going and ordering coffee you know you put your vr on and you go and practice ordering coffee or like any of those oh, like stuttering or so yeah any of those maybe yeah for sure in adults like that whole or like tbis like all those scenarios totally but then again, I literally just thought of that while we're thinking we're just biased, yeah, I yeah. think, because we are Resource. just, yeah, we are yeah. just only working with a very small population of like small children. So my one and a half year old is going to rip that off and chuck it.
1: So Yeah, no, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point for adults. Cause I've had some VR experience that are so immersed, like you almost forget you're in it. And if you have objects too, like you're trying to reteach someone to be able to hold a cup of coffee or to be able to move their mouth a certain way or something like that and you could actually like feel like you're doing an activity and not just sitting in a room I could see that as being helpful
2: but I don't know even there though because when I was working with adults too it's like it's so much of it is like you know rehab you know and like and it's, it's challenging, but that's why it's also like there, a lot of our job is counseling, you know? And like being there to be like, you can do it. You can do it. I know you can. You've done it before. You can do it. I know it. And like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure maybe they could figure that out too. But like as some aspect of Emotional
1: like, connection. There's nothing a lot that can of re- replace yeah. the emotional yeah. connection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Emo- I'm also – Yeah, annoying. like we're their
2: advocate, like the little root and – For sure. like, just like I, – I know there's so many people where you're like, okay, let's say th- this word, this word, and they're just like <sighs> – I can't, you know, because they can't like they can't move their mouth. And it's just it's, it's so much of it is a mental game that like, if you don't have somebody there to be like, you can do it. I know this is challenging. I know, like, I, you know, I, well, I don't know. But you know, like, I can imagine it would be really hard. Like, I think that it would maybe not like people wouldn't do it yeah,
0: as much. It won't replace it. But I don't won't, know. I mean it won't replace us fully. I think it's just a like you said, Melissa, like just another tool, like another resource, like cool thing to use. Like I think it could be a great resource. Yeah.
1: yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. I d I don't think uh I don't think that a job where you require an emotional connection. I, I don't think something like AI could replace or should replace a human being. I think it I think it would just be more of like an assisted thing for like sure in the future. Like you yeah. could use it, but where like you need emotional wise. connection. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Like I, I, I mm-hmm. saw, uh, speaking of the essays, like this is just like a random thing I saw a, a kid already made some machine where he hooked up his computer <laughs> to an uh, like a mechanical arm with a pen oh, in it Jesus. and so he t- so he typed in something on he oh typed in on God. something on chat
0: <laughs> and then oh like
1: the, it spit out the essay and then the machine was just like writing i guess his teacher was like you have to handwrite it so he hooked <laughs> it up and like it just started writing with chat oh no so They're smart They're <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah let's
0: have so this smart. conversation in like five years and yeah. recap on the how yeah, school well, is <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh but before we end off i just wanted to ask you guys quickly what are some hobbies or things you like to do that de-stress you outside of work
2: it's funny you say that because i <laughs> sometimes i'll be stressed going into work and then because i'm working with the kids i'll go in and i'll be like <laughs> I'm good now you know like I don't know like it's like they're a de-stressor for me you know so like there are things that like I mean obviously like the typical de-stressors outside but like it's usually the kids that are so um de-stressing for me (laughs) like that is what where I'll end up leaving the session being like oh my gosh this is so much better blah blah blah." like you know forget about anything like that was fun so I feel like that the sessions are actually de-stressors for me
1: that's great. Wow.
0: Teach me That's your great. ways, Melissa. Mine are
2: not the I mean, unless it's yeah. like a stressful like thing, you know, but like, yeah. like maybe it's a stressful situation, but um, usually like it's just a typical session. It's, yeah,
0: it's yeah. fun. I guess they do take you out of Kids reality. Kids are funny. They take you out of reality for they a minute. They make you laugh. Yeah. yeah. Well, mine are not the same. That's but awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I just run. I'll run a- too many miles <laughs> to relieve the stress, but <laughs> it's good. It helps. You, no, you run away i run too many miles <laughs> yeah yeah you run away from
1: yourself <laughs> you run to sessions yeah pretty you know, much a session, 10 just miles away, come like just
0: stripping in sweat i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs> yeah
1: awesome so where w- where's the best place people can check you out instagram youtube get in contact with you things like that
0: Um, Well, you can follow us on Instagram at Pediatric Speech Pal, on YouTube at Pediatric Speech Pals, um, pretty much everything at Pediatric Speech Pals. The only one that's different is Instagram. It's like only one pal, not two. So it's Pediatric Speech Pal. But um, we're on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, and podcast. Pediatric Speech Pal. At gmail.com. Uh, yes, if you have any you questions, have questions, yeah, please. We love answering yeah. questions. And um, we really do, like Melissa said, we really like to help people and answer them. We try our best to get to all of them. Um, usually we just like kind of combine them and make a video about it. But, yeah, you can find us on all those. Yeah, we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon podcasts. So if you don't want to see our faces and watch me do weird things, then <laughs> you could just listen to us in your car. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, Awesome. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, all that will be linked in the podcast for you guys that are listening and watching. And like I said, I'm not an SLP, but I just work in the field with marketing and media. And I found your channel super interesting, which is why I reached out and I found myself going through a bunch of videos. So, you know, if you're just interested in the field, or you're working in the field, or maybe you're just, you know, someone who listens to the podcast that has nothing to do with it, I think you'll find what Melissa and Haley do. Very interesting. So thank you guys thank for you. taking the time to hop on the yeah, show. Thank yeah, you so thank much you for having it. us.
0: This was really fun. Course, yeah, we yeah, appreciate this, this it.
1: Was a blast.